الحمد لله الحمد لله الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله وجاءت رسل ربنا بالحق وصدق المرسلون وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله واحد أحد فرد صمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد لا تدركه الأبصار وهو يدرك الأبصار ليس كمثله شيء وهو السميع البصير وأشهد أن سيدنا وحبيبنا محمدا صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم عبده ورسوله وما كان الله ليعذبهم وأنت فيهم وما كان الله معذبهم وهم يستغفرون من يطع الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله وأولي الأمر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له أما بعد Dear committed Muslims We previously mentioned that our public mind, the public mind of the society that we are living in, is oblivious to the power, presence of Allah, Jalla Jalaluh. They act like Allah doesn't exist. They make decisions that cost populations millions and millions of lives and casualties. And because the secular and materialistic world is riding on a wave of modernity, the Muslims get caught in this stream of impressions and ideas. So the after effects of the materialistic and secular world influence us, the Muslims in the world. And so we have what you may call a social coma. A public absent-mindedness to Allah's power presence. Some of Allah's attributes, some of Allah's descriptions, Al-Qawi, Al-Qadir, Al-Muqtadir, Al-Jabbar, Al-Qahar, these are words that we are familiar with. Allah's 99 
descriptions Asma'ullahi al-Husna are basically in two categories Asma'ul Jamal and Asma'ul Jalal Asma these the ones that we just mentioned Al Qawi, Al Qadir, Al Muqtadir, Al Qahar, Al Jabbar, Dhuntiqam, Al Adil, etc. Some these descriptions fall into Allah's majestic description of Himself. Jalal Allah. So when you say, when you look, Muslims around, look, there's many Muslims in the world. And they say, no one argues, no Muslim argues that Allah is not Qahar, Allah is not Qawi and Qad, Allah is not powerful. No Muslim will argue this. But what happens to human nature, Muslims have human nature, just like every other human being in the world. We are subject to moments in history, centuries in history, in which we are weak. Our internal selves have rusted. There's rust in our wujdan. And the the mission of Allah's prophets, when they were sent to people, different societies at different eras in human history was to bring back the fact of Allah's power presence in man's, especially in man's social life. Because Allah tells us, we don't know except what Allah tells us. Before he created us in this world as we are today, we were in what you may call the nucleus world. The, there's an ayah 172 in Surah Al-A'raf. It says, أن تقولوا يوم القيامة إن كنا عن هذا غافلين. What is this ayah saying? It's telling us before we were constituted in the form and life and existence we are in right now. We had a pre-existence before we were here. All of us, all human beings, we had a conscious existence. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, our, we don't have a memory of this. No human being has any memory of this. So he's telling us the way before he created us in this life and in this world, he says, 
he asked us, Alastu bi rabbikum, am I not your sustainer? And those who were asked, meaning we, qalu bala shahidna. Yes, indeed, you are our sustainer and we are witnesses to that fact. So we witnessed Allah's power presence. We witnessed Allah's glory. And then we came into this world. We came into this world and Allah did not leave us like we're living in a jungle somewhere. He gave us information of how to live a life that meets His standards. And so He sent us these prophets to work away this rust, this deterioration in our internal selves, in our wujdan. And now, so the prophets would come and then after generations and after centuries, the message of the prophet pertaining to Allah's power presence, that message begins to fade away. And as time passes by, and as the human connection to Allah diminishes and ceases to exist, virtually ceases to exist, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends another messenger. And this has, this cycle has been going on in history until now. Now, we also observe that there is an internal deterioration in our own selves our consciousness of Allah's immediate power presence is virtually gone that's why when people who are making decisions that impact humanity do they ever ask themselves what would Allah say what would Allah do if I make such and such a decision to go to war, to cut off food and vital supplies to hundreds of millions of people, to go to the natural resources of the world and claim them for their own selves and their own companies and their own interests, when, when they think about this, is Allah present in their thoughts? Absolutely not. This applies to those who claim that they are following Musa and those who claim that they are following Isa and those who claim that they are following Muhammad. May Allah's peace and blessings be upon all of them and all of theirs. If we were not influenced by the secular materialistic world, 
If we were just left to ourselves, we don't have this mass media bombarding our minds and infiltrating into our hearts. If we didn't have any of that, in our state of nature, in our fitrah, we would realize that Allah is there. Our internal selves, will, t- our wujdan will tell us Allah is there. The problem becomes, if we were sensitive and could detect this, the problem becomes, but who is Allah? Who's going to tell me who Allah, this power, this wisdom, who is it? And here is where we have philosophers and we have thinkers and we have ideologues and we have educators and we have professors and we all of these people trying to have a mental understanding of who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. In acknowledgement of this deep down inside fact of life, an ayah asks in the Quran, "Ailahun ma'Allah? Is there another God with Allah?" Another that's in Surah An-Naml. Another ayah in Surah Ibrahim says, "Afillahi shak." Is there any doubt about? Allah. You doubt it? If there is doubt, and if you think there are other gods with Allah, then your thinking is polluted. You have to clean your thoughts. So what we have, if we were sensitive to feel this, we have our internal selves acknowledging Allah, but our mind trying to understand Allah. I'm talking about those who have not been contaminated with materialism and with hedonism. Talking about human beings who are still more or less in contact with the way Allah created them. Their proportionality has not been skewed. Now, we are dealing with a very important issue, and this is the way, one way of explaining it. When we use words, when we have nouns and names, We give those words and nouns and names to objects that we understand through our minds, through thinking. We see iron around a yard and we call it a fence. We see a plant that grows into the skies and we call it a tree. So what we, the words that we use 
are a description or a reflection of our thoughts. <coughs> now, the word God, and this word is used in different languages, but we're, we're speaking English here. We were speaking Arabic. We, and it's the language of the Quran, so you should be... The word Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, where did that come from? In the course of our human life, we can't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not subject to the senses that we have. Everything that we give a name to is subject to the senses we have. We feel something, we get a feel for it, and we give it a description, we give it a name. But when it comes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how did this word come about? Originally, when we go back to the beginning of things, how did this happen in all of human history? رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا فَاعْبُدْهُ وَاسْطَبِرْ لِعِبَادَتِهِ هَلْ تَجِدُ لَهُ سَمِيَّةِ هَلْ تَعْلَمُ لَهُ سَمِيَّةِ Nayan Surah Maryam, the sustainer of the heavens and the earth and everything in between, and everything be- between them, conform to him, and do your best in persevering in that conformity have you found an equivalent name for him so this causes us what's happening here let's take an anatomy of what's happening what's happening is our internal self is pressuring our mind in some people it's pestering their mind to identify that force that is known inside but unidentified outside this is what's happening so the word Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a word that comes to us from Allah. It comes to us from Allah in our thinking faculty, in addition to coming to us from Allah through our internal wujdan. This is the fact of life that everyone makes believe that he doesn't exist in practical terms. Many people say, oh yeah, there's God, there's Allah, he's somewhere there. He's there. What does that have to do with us? No, that's not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you think Allah is withdrawn somewhere at a, dis- at a far distance from you, he doesn't have any involvement in your life, then you are misunderstanding who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Now, to put this in another way, because this can be understood, and I don't want to lose anyone, but we have atheists, we have people who deny, ah, oh, there's no God. What are you talking about? They think you're crazy, or you think you're, 
you're ancient. They think you are backwards. If you if you begin to explain who Allah is, they say, no, no, forget this. We've gone beyond that. Science has taken us leaps and bounds beyond that. Where are you? Wake up, man. That's what they will say. If that ask these people who, in their ideas, they write papers and they write columns and they write books and they present programs and all of this trying to have you and me think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't exist these same people have they ever given the name God to their own son have you ever heard of someone calling his own son God most of these people they believe that there is a an intellectual design to the universe they tell you, you know, they, they, they don't believe there's a God but they believe that there's an intellect I mean the way the universe is constructed to sustain our life there's a significant mind and wisdom in that and even when they acknowledge that they they don't go the step to affirming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is Allah these types have they ever had had it within them because it's going to cause a contradiction in themselves to say oh I have a son his name is God he's intelligent especially if he's intelligent you give a son, or you change the name of your son. You don't know he's going to be that intelligent. He grows up, he gets all A's, smart, brilliant. No one like him. He said, I'm going to change the name. He said, I'm going to name him God. Coming from an atheist who doesn't believe in God, but he believes in an intelligent construct of the universe, which goes to show you that these are hypocrites or they are dysfunctional. What they have inside is not what they are presenting in elaborate theories. That's why when they themselves, these types, when you put them in danger, put them in mortal danger, between them and death is a few seconds, a few minutes, they will say, oh God, because they're stubborn when there's no longer any material means that they can latch onto their stubbornness cease to exist so we let's take a look at existence because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he wants us to think because if we think straight there will be a connection between our wujdan and our aql. That connection is natural. It is, it is the institutions of the world that are God-denying that make this disconnect between the two. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourages us in many ayat in the Qur'an وَفِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَفَلَا تُبْصِرُونَ 
the fact of Allah is in your own selves. Can you not see and detect it? وَفِي الْأَرْضِ آيَاتٌ لِلْمُوقِنِينَ And in the world and on earth there are ayat, demonstrations of Allah's power existence to those who are sure of themselves. سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْآفَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ We will show them the demonstrations of our power at the horizons and inside themselves. في أقصى الوجود وفي أدنى الوجدان In the extremities of the materialistic world and in the core of the inner self. سنريهم آياتنا في الآفاق وفي أنفسهم حتى يتبين لهم الحق. We're not the type that says, oh, you just have to believe and close your mind. That's not part of our character. So all of this, all of these observations around us would probably lead some of us to think along these lines. The material world around us is made of things, physical things. A rock. A rock is volume, weight, and density. Something else? Volume, weight, and density. We go a step upwards and we find that there are plants. In addition to volume, weight, and density, a plant grows. A rock doesn't grow. A plant grows. That's another step up on the scale of existence. Another step above that are animals. They are weight, volume, and density. They grow, and in addition, in addition to that, they move voluntarily, and they feel. A tree doesn't move voluntarily. A rock doesn't move voluntarily. A rock cannot feel. A tree cannot feel. And then we come to ourselves, which are لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمِ We have weight, we have volume, we have density, we grow, we have feelings, and we voluntarily move. So what, do we stop there? What distinguishes us from all the rest of these other things? What is it? It's our capacity to think. They don't have that. A rock doesn't have that. A tree doesn't have that. An animal doesn't have that. They cannot think. 
And these people who are making catastrophic decisions for the planet, you think they haven't covered this territory? And so they want to zero in on that element in us, the, capa the capacity to think and steer it in their own direction, and their own direction happens to be at odds with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of these have been made a utility for us. Things, plant, the world of plants, the world of animals, all of that, for what? So that we become gods ourselves? If we want to trace and trail the materialistic and secular ideas and thoughts? Or is this capacity to think and figure things out one that distinguishes us from the rest and places us in conformity with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And out of the thinking process comes the reasoning process. Al-aqlu min al-fikri. I want to end this khutbah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbana laka shukru alhamd that you have given us a favorable day like this to extend our khutbah a few minutes. I thought this probably for some of you who may have been lost in a few sentences that I said and this was brought to my attention. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant the brother the rewards for sending this information my way so that I can make it available to you. There was a mufti in one of the countries, one of the Muslim countries, obviously, a very well-known, educated, um, devout Muslim. He had a dream. In his dream, he saw Allah's Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam. And you know, and we know, every Muslim knows that if Allah's Prophet appears to you in a dream, it's Allah's Prophet. Because the shaitan, the evil forces cannot configure themselves as Allah's Prophet in a dream. And Allah's Prophet tells this Mufti, tell your neighbor so-and-so that he is my companion in Al-Jannah. He's going to be accompanying me in Al-Jannah. The Mufti wakes up, very conscious of what he saw in his dream. And he goes to his neighbor. His neighbor was a very simple person, a baqal, person who sells fruits and vegetables, basically. Has his little shop. He goes to him. And he says, you must have done something extraordinary in your life. He says, why? Why, do you, why are you asking me that question? We've known each other for a long time and... Why do you ask me that question? He said, Allah's Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him, 
came to me in the dream last night and he told me to tell you that you are going to be his companion in Al-Jannah. So you must, there's something you must have done in your life that is so significant that Allah's Prophet wanted you to know that you will be with him. You have to tell me what it is. So the person obviously knew what that issue was. He said, he probably told him this in confidence. He said, I got married. And after about five months of my marriage, my wife gave birth. This, for, for some of us here, who there might, something might come to your mind, oh, sometimes there's birth at five or six months. No, no, this was a per, full-term birth. So the husband realized that his wife had committed an act of adultery just before, a few months before she got married to him. So what does he do? He takes the baby to the masjid, waits until after the iqama of the salah, he places the baby at the entrance of the masjid, inside the masjid, at the door, and rushes to join the prayers. When the prayer was done, the baby was crying. The Muslims ran towards the baby. And then he said, the, fa- the stepfather in this case, he said, this is an abandoned baby. I am willing to adopt this baby. He did this to protect his wife from the possible severe punishment of zina. The punishment, the social, legal punishment of zina is known. It's either uh, in the traditional world of Islam, it's either stoning the person to death or whipping them a hundred times. A person who doesn't have a wujdan would have said, well, my wife is an adulteress and Allah's penalty is due upon her. That's a person who does not have a wujdan. A person who has a wujdan would protect his wife from that consequence. A person with a wujdan is not running away from Allah. He's running towards Allah. 
إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان. Both of these. العدل is the social punishment. الإحسان is the وجداني responsibility. And there's no conflict between them. So this person opted to do what his conscience dictated to him as opposed to what the laws of society would have imposed upon him. And this is the difference between the fanatics in our time and those who understand Allah with a wujdan that we've been speaking about all along. أُعْبُدِ اللَّهَ كَأَنَّكَ تَرَاهُ فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَاهُ فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكُ One of the statements and hadiths of the Prophet is you conform to Allah as if you see Him because if you can't, He is seeing you. He sees you. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم أدعوه سبحانه وأنتم على يقين بالإجابة وتوبوا إلى الله إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله بجميع المحامد على جميع النعم وصلى الله وسلم على المبعوث خيرا ورحمة وهدى لكافة الأمم محمد النبي الأمي وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Dear committed Muslims, brothers and sisters With a self in a wujdan And with a mind in the Quran We are allowed Don't fear looking at what other people are doing. And we're not looking at in their private lives. That's another area. We are looking at their public policies. Muslims are engineered by the status quo institutions to be afraid to look at reality and think through the issues of the world with the information coming to them from Allah and His Prophet. And so, in this second khutbah, as has been the case, in all of these years, we will try to look at some of these issues with an Islamic conscience and with an Islamic cerebrum. We have rulers in the Arabian Peninsula who are enemies of Allah and His Prophet. We say this not because we are saying they are kafirs. They say other Muslims are kafirs. We're not that stupid. The king of Jordan after Jerusalem was designated as the capital of the Zionist thieves in the Holy Land. The king of Jordan he wants to know how to survive. It's basically their obsession. People who are on thrones and high offices, they want to survive. 
So there was an OIC, Organization of, of Islamic Cooperation, meeting in Istanbul. And so before this king goes to Istanbul, he goes to Saudi Arabia. He goes to the people who have money. You see, people, we were talking about considering Allah who has all the wealth, who has all the power. They don't consider Allah having all the wealth and all of the power. This demonstrates to us who they really are. So he goes over there and he thinks he's now going to be in favor of these decision makers in the Arabian Peninsula. He has a meeting, one hour with MBS, Muhammad bin Salman. And the issue of Jerusalem was not brought up at all. Which tells us what? That those who are ruling over Mecca and Al-Madina have given Al-Yahud Al-Quds. And if things continue like that, Al-Yahud are going to claim Khaybar. And after that, they will claim Al-Madina. Because historically they were there. And they say we were kicked out of these places. We were Just the same way we came back to Palestine. They call Judea and Samaria. The same way we came back here, we're, come, we're going back to where we were then. That means Khaybar. It means Taymah. It means the northern areas of the Arabian Peninsula, and it also means Al-Madina. And as the policies are to scare these feather brains in the Arabian Peninsula, to sign on to military contracts, lo and behold, in the past week, 193 million point eight five is a contract signed to 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 buy helicopters. What do you want helicopters for? Are they thinking about riot control, civil disobedience in their kingdom? They took over, there's the Bin Laden, the Saudi Bin Laden group. That's a construction firm. The big, Probably the biggest one in that kingdom. Well, the Saudi regime has taken control of it that. The Saudi regime is paying $2 billion to their flunkies in Yemen to preserve the Yemeni Riyal. The currency in Yemen is dying. So they are interjecting into that econ failing economic system $2 billion to preserve its currency. We're not allowed to look at that when they are killing with bombs, with starvation, potentially hundreds of thousands of Yemenis. And then this past week or so, the Prime Minister of the Israeli tribal state flies to India. And now you can project Closer coordination between Yahud and Hunud. Between the racists in the Holy Land and the racists in the land of the castes. You're going to expect more of these things. But now, in their discussions, 
Netanyahu and Modi, in their discussions, they wanted to ramp up their economic and their financial exchanges. And the issue of Saudi Arabia was brought up because if there's going to be extensive back and forth, they have to fly over Saudi Arabia. So they said, the Israeli head honcho tells the, his Indian counterpart, we'll take care of that. Because he's speaking with background. There are flights inaugurated between Israel and Saudi Arabia to take Palestinian hujjaj to perform their hajj. There are agreements that the Israelis can use Saudi airspace to attack Islamic Iran. So what's this? We can work this out. You want flights? There's a flight, Al Al flies one flight in a circuitous way to Bombay. Air India wants flights between the two countries and it wants to fly the shortest distance. It doesn't want to go all around the place. We're not allowed to mention this. And then one of their own star dies. Sheikh Salman Al-Awda, in this past week, the, the Twitter information going around, his health has been failing. He's been in detention for about four months now. His health is failing. They had to take him to the hospital in critical condition. There were some reports, later turned out to be rumors, that he died. This is one of their own. And they forbid 17 members of his immediate family from traveling. And they apprehend his brother, Khalid al-Awda, and throw him behind bars. We're not allowed? Isn't this a matter of conscience? Or we're supposed to come to the masjid and to listen to a khutbah without a conscience? And then... There's this Israeli. Listen to this, brothers and sisters. It's all right, I took a few more minutes. There's this Israeli who is fluent in Arabic. He disguises himself as a sheikh. He goes to Jordan, of course, wearing the same way religious Muslims wear their religious dress he goes he meets with members he doesn't just go to a message they, they show him Israeli TV channel 10 has a program they put all of this into a program a film in which he goes to Masajid he meets Shuyukh he speaks to members of the Islamic movement not only in Jordan but in Turkey, in the United States, and in other places. Imagine, can you think for a moment a Muslim disguising himself as a rabbi and entering into Jewish congregations 
and meeting with activist Zionists all around the place? This is a difference. And some Muslims say, oh, why can't we be like Yahud? Why can't we do like, look, at, look where they are. If you want to be like them, go ahead and be like them. But know that if you attempt and you try to do these types of things, you will be condemned in this world and in the world to come. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'a wa arina al-baatila baatilan warzuqna ajtinaba wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama Allahumma ahdina fi man hadayt wa'afina fi man afayt وَتَوَلَّنَا فِيمَنْ تَوَلَّيْتْ وَبَارِكْ لَنَا فِيمَا أَعْطَيْتْ وَقِنَا شَرَّ مَا قَضَيْتْ فَإِنَّكَ تَقْضِي وَلَا يُقْضَى عَلَيْكَ وَإِنَّهُ لَا يَذِلُّ مَنْ وَالَيْتْ وَلَا يَعِزُّ مَنْ عَادَيْتْ تَبَارَكْتَ رَبَّنَا وَتَعَالَيْتْ فَلَكَ الْحَمْدُ عَلَى مَا قَضَيْتْ نستغفرك ونتوب إليك وصلى الله على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أيها الصلاة أيها الفلاة قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر إله إلا الله